0: All right, so we're doing our summer series, um, how we can be encouraged by God's Word. and I, uh, I'm also got to tell you that I'm a Olympics junkie, so uh, it's been uh, fun watching the Olympics. I can't say I'm a fan of the way NBC does it because the advertisements become nauseating for me, but the athletic stuff uh, is super fun, and if I can watch something in, to- in total, uh, I-, I love that too. Uh, but um, before I get there, i uh, I want to tell you about some good news that we that was in our transitions and our changes. Um, I, I don't think I really is here today, uh, but she is, obviously, as I've mentioned before, stepping down and out of children's ministry. And so we've had a, a search going on looking for uh, who we can get to uh, run our children's ministry, and uh, it was an internal search first. Uh, And then it was a a local search, and then it became a national search because we put uh, advertisements on the Vineyard webpage nationally, Uh, just, uh, you know, because we really want to continue to have a a top-quality children's ministry program, and yet at the same time realize that uh, the person that runs and oversees children's ministry, it's a high Uh, Demand uh, position. I mean, we all love our kids. We all have high expectations for our kids. We all want our kids to be loved and to encounter Jesus during children's ministry. And we're dealing with a lot of volunteers uh, that aren't, you know, I mean, you're not trained uh, teachers, uh, and yet many of you do just a fantastic job. And then, you know, we've got kids with special needs, and we want to embrace them and love them too. So, it's, it's a lot for somebody to oversee, and I'm really excited that we've uh, found somebody who I think is going to be fantastic. Her name is Debbie Dean. Uh, she'll be starting in two weeks' time, uh, in August the 28th. And uh, so uh, when, when she's with us, obviously, I'll, I'll introduce you uh, to her. But uh, Arely is going to continue as a family pastor, and um, there's a whole bunch of different things that uh, I'd like really to focus on. Uh, sort of under an uh, umbrella called uh, uh, Kingdom Building Ministries, because it's not like one thing that I wanted really to do. I wanted to do like, how do we build the kingdom? A little bit of this, a little bit of that, and a little bit of something else. Uh, looking at some of the gifts that really does have. So one of those things would be outreach, and we all know, uh, really is really uh, a great cook. So. Uh, one of the things I want to do as an outreach exercise is something called cooking by the book. So, okay, how do we, how do, we do that, you know? Um, uh, let's take the gifts and talents people have. Uh, I, I would also want, really, to get involved with assimilation. Uh, that is, how do we take somebody that's a second-time visitor here at the church and uh, help them to become uh, part of the family, you know, so from my standpoint, the first time you come, you're a guest. The second time you come, you're already family. And I just want to make you feel like your family if you, you know, new to church. And that'll be part of Aureli's job, get together with you, uh, try and help you figure out, okay, we have a newcomer's dinner we'd invite you to if you want to uh, come. And uh, here's other ways that you can get involved uh, and try and make that connection, uh, that connection happen. Uh, the other thing that uh, really is good at doing is uh, organizing events and uh, actually parties. So, you know, I said, as a church, we could do with a little bit more uh, partying. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes as a church, life can be very serious. But, you know, actually, if you look at the whole Old Testament, God would build in these big parties. I mean, like, they weren't just a one-night thing, like a whole week or two weeks. People had a party. I mean, God knew that, okay, if you worked hard all this time and you have harvesting and... Then you need to throw a party. I mean, like a party. And so I said, I really, you know, we could do with a, a little bit of partying here at our church. Uh, and uh, every year when we do the Christmas party, it's like, who's going to organize it? And we all kind of like got so many other things, it's hard to pull it together. So I said, how about Christmas party? And they really said, okay, we'll do a, a Christmas party this year. And she wants to include the kids. I mean, I don't know what this is going to look like, but a party where we all dress up, include the kids. Uh, okay, so uh, we've got that to look forward to. But um, a bunch of things that I do want really to, uh, to to focus in on. Um, so if you see Aurelie, uh, please give her a big uh, congratulations, because I, I do want to remind us as a church, when Aureli and Jeff started here and they, they said, Rob, how can we serve the church? Uh, and I said to uh, uh, Jeff and Aureli, I said, look, we have a need at that point, uh, this is like four or five years ago, of somebody to over, to oversee children 's ministry, and it really said to me he said look i 'm not a children 's ministry person i 've never done it uh, i haven 't ever run children 's ministry, but I will gladly serve in that capacity and do my best to serve the Lord in that capacity and that 's the heart that she had towards it and has had towards it uh, you know she didn 't actually think that she was going to be doing that for as long as she did it now many of you are resonating it 's like I signed up for stuff in church. I also didn't think I'd be in it for as long as I did. But anyway, uh, so she's done, she's done well. She's served us well, and I, and I thank her for that. And Jeff's continuing to do a great job with the youth and uh, you know, investing in the youth. Last week we had a great report of the, Jeff taking all the, the, the youth to Project Timothy, and it's a great leadership development uh, program for our youth. So uh, both of them are going to continue to, to press in on that. Uh, As we uh, start today's service, I I, want to talk a little bit about uh, the Olympics because, as I said, I'm an Olympic junkie and I think it'll fit in just great with uh, what I'm saying today. Uh, But the the verse that I want to focus on, the biblical verse, as we're going through this series about uh, Jesus promises us. Uh, and we're looking at this series. Like, what does the Bible promise us? What does Jesus promise us? What does the Bible say? What are the things that we can hang on to that are promises? And one of the things that Jesus promises us is that He will help us when we struggle, when we're battling. Jesus will personally somehow or other help us. It's a a promise that we have from God. And the the promise we find is in 2 Corinthians uh, 12.9. It says this, My grace is all you need, my power works best in weakness. Oh, ah, yeah, yeah. My power works best in weakness. Yep. Okay. So, uh, how does this relate to the, the Olympics? Well, it relates perfectly in my mind because Michael Phelps, who's just like killing it when it comes to the Olympics. I mean, the guy's won more gold medals than most countries. You know, I mean, it's just like ridiculous how how many gold medals this guy's. Uh, uh, raked up. And, uh, you know, it started in 2004, 2008, and then he gets to the London Olympics. And according to him, he didn't do so great. I think he only earned like five or something gold medals. But but after each Olympics, what was happening was this, he would, he would crash. And so after the, well, before the London Olympics, he just like wasn't really committed like he should be. I mean, obviously, he's still phenomenally good to win that. But he comes out of the London Olympics and he's depressed. And not only is he depressed, he's getting pulled over for drunken driving and he's endangering people in the process, he's in court more than once. Uh, I mean, this is not a good story. And uh, then uh, what's really interesting to me, Baltimore Ravens, uh, Ray Lewis, and we've got a, a picture here of, you know, he was a Phelps is from Baltimore. Uh, Ray Lewis is from Baltimore. Ray was an outstanding and outspoken Christian during his career. Now, he's, many, he's, he's older than Michael Phelps. And uh, uh, he reached out to Michael and he said, Michael, listen, uh, your life is falling apart. Uh, you're drinking. You're in court. Uh, you, like, lost your purpose. You, you don't know what to do with yourself. You fulfilled your dream of winning all these medals, and now you're just kind of like freefall. You're in freefall. So, what Ray says to, to Michael is this you need to get into rehab, commit yourself to rehab, and get better. And secondly, I want to give you this book written by Rick Warren A Purpose Driven Life. I want you to read this book and, and process what Rick is saying. Uh, and Rick is a pastor in Southern California. This is the, uh, one of the best, uh, this was a top seller for a, a number of years in the early uh, 2000s. And it's still a terrific book. So Michael reads this book, and, and I to. Uh, I don't want to paraphrase. I want to just quote what he says when he reads this book. He says to, he says to pro linebacker Ray Lewis, he says, This book is crazy. The, the thing that's going on, oh my gosh, my brain, I can't thank you enough, man. You saved my life. And then uh, he was interviewed, Phelps was interviewed on ESPN, and he says, uh, Rick Warren's book turned me into believing there is a greater power uh, than myself, and there is purpose for me on this planet. Okay, now, I don't think as far as I know that Michael Phelps received Christ, but what I am telling you this, and this is really encouraging, even if you're not a Christian, even if your friends are not Christian, if they will adhere to God's word and God's plans and God's methods, they will get blessed. And so one of the things that Michael picked up, one of the chapters in the book, it was about restoring relationships. And so Rick uh, says in his book, relationships are always worth restoring. So Michael takes this personally, as he should, and he reconnects with his dad, who he's been disconnected with for 20 years and restores that relationship. I mean, some good things start, start happening. And then, uh, after that, he says, you know what, I'm starting to get the desire again to compete and to train and to make the commitment that's needed for Olympics. And so he started training again. And I mean, he's just like knocked it out of the park again, this Olympics. I mean, it's really crazy. The guy's 31 years old, swimming, you know, and pulling in all these gold medals. Uh, it's, just, it's just a phenomenal story of uh, what can be done when, you know, you're down on your luck, when y- you feel weak, uh, and you say, you know, Jesus, I, I am weak. I- I- I'm depressed. Uh, I've lost my way, uh, and I need some purpose. And, you know, that was the entry point for this book being given to him, and he says, yeah, okay, there is purpose in my life. I can find some meaning. And there's an the ability to let God work in our lives when we feel weak. Now, the funny thing to me is this. Uh, it was after the Super Bowl that Brady, you know, the first Super Bowl he won, he said, there's got to be more to life than this. I mean, after you've actually achieved your goal and uh, done the thing that you wanted to do. And here you've got Phelps, the most decorated Olympic Olympian ever. Achieving that goal, things we'll never be able to do, you know. And once they've achieved it and got there and done it, they're saying, "Man, this is great. I'm really appreciated. I can do all these awesome things." But there's got to be more to life than this. Now what? And you know, that's a good place. It's a good place uh, for God to start saying, "Okay, I can do something uh, in your life." Now, uh, God says that He, you know, wants to lift us up. He wants to help us. Uh, he says His grace is is, is all that we need, uh, and yet we need to be able to access that somehow. And, uh, you know, I don't know where you're at. Um, I don't know if you're in a place where you say, you know, I just want to give up. Or it might be at work, uh, it might be with your kids, it might be with your marriage, uh, it, it, you know, where you're just stressed out, you've done everything you can, you're really frustrated, and you're saying... Uh, you know, I just want to give up. Well, you're in good company. I mean, Phelps wanted to give up. You know, it, it's just like we need to be able to press in a little bit or even more. We need to allow God to lift us up, to give us a sense of hope where when he says, my grace is all you need, somehow or other, we can access that and say, God, your grace truly is all. All I need. It, it is sufficient. It's personal enough and it's powerful enough for us to access it. And then, of course, you know, the delightful part of this is it's not how strong you are, it's how strong God is. It's not how smart you are, who are fast you are, who, how, you know, whatever you are, it's how awesome and fast and smart and, you know, Jesus is. How, and we need to be able to access that. I was speaking to uh, Saint Helen. She's sitting behind the post there uh, in a wheelchair. Uh, You know, and Helen, for obvious reasons, is sitting in a wheelchair. Uh, She had a stroke, and you know, we have a lot of quiet, saintly people, not like asking to be in the highlights. And uh, Karen would be one of them. You know, and Chuck. Uh, opening up their home and saying, okay, uh, Helen, you can stay with us. And and now uh, Mary Ellen and her whole family, you know, Tom, I mean, you know, you're all just doing an awesome job uh, there. Abby, you know, you're all part of that. The family just embracing Helen, allowing her to be there. And the funny thing is this, not so funny because it's so encouraging. Uh, Helen says to me this week, she says, you know, I'm in a really, really great place. And I'm like, yeah, I know the house is really great, and you're saying with really great people. She says, oh, yeah, that's great, but something more. I'm in a great place with Jesus. I'm feeling like God is using me. I mean, she's sitting in a wheelchair. She can hardly get around. She used to walk out of church and, and, get, you know, God is speaking to me. I feel really encouraged. Wow. I mean, that's an awesome testimony, Helen. I, you know, I appreciate it. And it's not just like you know, some veneer. I mean, I, I can see it's genuinely your situation. And I, I pray that God will fully heal you and fully restore you. But I'm super excited that you had a place in this difficult situation in your life where God's power is sustaining you and His grace is truly sufficient and you're experiencing that. It's just, it's it's an awesome thing. It really is an awesome thing. So, I would like us all uh, to get that out of our message, my message today is that we too can experience, like Helen, you know, that God's grace is sufficient for us and God's power is the power that we need, not our own power, not our own strength. So let me just invite the Holy Spirit to be here uh, and uh, the Lord to just move. So Jesus, we just uh, thank you that you've role modeled for us and you've promised us a whole bunch of things. And uh, we can trust your promises, and we can hang on to the things that you say. And so, Lord, I just pray today, you just empower my preaching. Just uh, allow your spirit to be here, that the presence of your spirit would so fill this room and, and our hearts, that each person here today would leave feeling encouraged, like uh, they're connecting with you, and you helping them and encouraging them, and, and yet your power is sufficient, and we can lean on your grace. So, Jesus, we just uh, welcome you here today. We just ask for your spirit to move. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So, in the previous weeks, I, I just want to summarize some of the promises that um, I've been preaching on and others have been preaching on. Uh, I've chosen some of them that aren't sort of the most obvious promises, actually. Uh, but the, the, the first promise was Psalm 103.8. The Lord is compassionate. And merciful, he's slow to get angry, and he's filled with unfailing love. That's a promise from God. He said, That's who I am. Uh, You can, you know, it's a promise you can hang on to. First Peter 1 24 25, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. forever." It's a promise of God. Things change, things go by quickly in life, but God's word we can depend on, it sticks around forever. it's a great promise. Matthew five seven. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God promises us that we will be shown mercy if we are merciful. And Hebrews eleven six, God rewards those who sincerely seek Him. God rewards us if we sincerely seek Him in all sorts of ways. And then today's verse: My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Uh, You know, when we look at this context of where this scripture is in 2 Corinthians, at the end of 2 Corinthians, it's in a really uh, great place. I love hearing all these kids here. Now, these guys are making a real racket. It's good. I mean, there's life there in that children's ministry room. And one of our challenges in our church is we don't have the perfect setup for children's ministry. But, you know, I I really don't want to shush them. (laughs) I want them to, like, enjoy church and love it. And we'll deal with it. This is a different kind of a church. We'll deal with it. We won't tell him to go away. Uh, we'll tell him to have an awesome time. Uh, and, but uh, in context, this verse <clears throat> says something to us uh, because Paul is crying out to God and he's saying, you know what? Uh, I have a thorn in my flesh, as he puts it. Uh, we don't know what the thorn is. Uh, and he's saying, God, please will you take away this thorn? In other words, There's something in Paul's life which is a real problem. And Paul is crying out to God. He's praying to God. and He's a godly person. He obeys God and he follows God. And God doesn't remove the problem. Okay, so this is like an important concept for us to get when we're hanging on to God's truth. And and not only that, Paul says, I've asked God three times to remove this problem. And clearly, God is not going to do it. Now, Paul does not feel abandoned. Paul does not feel like God's power is not sufficient. None of that stuff. Uh, and in fact, when you, you you back up a little bit into uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and 12, uh, you find another thing going on here. Uh, Paul is dealing with people boasting and saying, you know, how great I, I am. Like, you know, I can speak in prophetic and, and uh, you know, I really know the Bible that great. And people just like boasting about all their spiritual gifts. And and Paul basically says, look, uh, that's not it, guys. You know, Jesus is it. Uh, If I'm going to boast about anything, I'm going to boast about my weakness. Because what Paul is trying to say is when I'm weak, God is strong. But when I look like I'm shining, when I tell everybody how great I am and, you know, God has used me to heal and prophetic, then all of a sudden Paul realizes that he starts looking awesome and Jesus sort of diminishes. And so Paul turns this all around in his head, and then he starts, you know, revealing, like his lifestyle. And oh my gosh, uh, it's like none of us would want that. I mean, you know, Paul has said, I've been beaten. Uh, I mean, I've received 39 lashes. I mean, 39 lashes is not enough to kill you. I mean, if you had that experience once, you'd be in like trauma for your whole life. You know, and Paul says, oh, that just happened to me five times. It's like, Really? And he's like, not bitter, he's not upset, he's not like God, you know, abandoned me. No, he got like shipwrecked, not once, like three times. I mean, like if you and I were shipwrecked just once, we'd be like, oh, my whole life story, I'm traumatized, it's like terrible. And, she, and Paul's like, yeah, in the one time I was there, i at see all night and all day, and you'd be thinking, God, where are you? Like, rescue me. And Paul said, ah, it's no big deal. You know, just like, it's part of like, I'm just pressing into Jesus, it's all part of ministry. And you look at him and say, oh my gosh. None of us would want that stuff. But what Paul is saying is God and Jesus really is great, and He really is personal, and He really is powerful, and He really did get Paul through these situations, and Paul is saying, Jesus, really, really great. I mean, those difficulties, if Paul minimizes them and sees them as being so sort of inconsequential, can you imagine the the greatness and the love that he's receiving from Jesus that that just so overshadows and overpowers for what Paul is saying, you know, some minor inconveniences. Uh, Whereas, you know, if I look at my life and and, and your lives, it's like, okay, we have minor inconveniences, and and for us it's like a, you know, a wreck. It's like, oh, my gosh, you know, where's God? Uh, But Paul is pressing into this point. He's saying, man, when I'm weak, He's strong. His grace is sufficient. I mean, Paul knew this stuff and depended on this stuff, and could live in this, in this way. And what Paul is really telling us is this. He's saying, hey, listen, we have an opportunity when we're in a bad place. We have an opportunity that we don't have at other times. Like Michael Phelps had an opportunity when he was in a bad place. He, there's an opportunity for us to depend on God and to allow God to do something in our lives. That if we're in a good place, we just are unable to be that vulnerable to God. But when we are desperate, there's an ability for us to open up to God and say, God, I'm just desperate. Do anything. I've wrecked my life. Just like, you know, bail me out one more time or something. And we experience God's blessing. You know, miracles are a weird thing. We all like to Uh, talk about miracles. You can watch TV shows of miracles and uh, hear about miracles. And even as Bernadette's saying, okay, he has a kid we're praying for and, you know, he's came out of a coma. Awesome. Great miracle. But honestly, none of us like to experience a miracle because if you're going to experience a miracle, it means you're in a situation that's impossible, that you personally are, you, you, you can't get out of. You, you, you can't get a doctor. the doctor can't help you, your smarts can't help you, your speed can't help you, you can't help yourself. That's what a miracle is. And then when God comes through, it's like, all right, great, let me tell you all about how awesome God is. But when we're in this situation needing a miracle, we don't like it. And I'm telling you, if you were with a boat with Jesus and His disciples and the things about to sink because the storm was raging, you know you're not in a good place. I mean, you, you're not comfortable, you're not happy, you're not enjoying the experience. Now, when Jesus stands up and calms the storm, it's like, oh, all right. you know, this is awesome, that was great, let me tell you the great stories. But, if you're in a situation needing a miracle, it's, it's very uncomfortable. But, Jesus is saying, my grace is sufficient for you. I have the power, I can calm the storms, I can feed 5,000, know, I can heal uh, sick people, and, and, you know, I can raise the, I, Jesus has the power. And he, is involved. He wants to be involved in our lives. It's not just a distant uh, thing. So uh, I want to say this: uh, Jesus does not promise us a full explanation. Now, if you have got sermon notes, you might want to just fill this in. Our human nature wants a full explanation from Jesus of what's happening in our lives, or we want a full explanation from Jesus about a decision we're about to make, and we want it all mapped out, we want it all clear, we don't want any risk, we don't want any faith involved, we want it all explained to us. And it just never happens that way. And so, you know, we get frustrated again and again because we don't think we're hearing God because we are asking for a full explanation. Jesus doesn't promise a full explanation. And Paul never got a full explanation. Like, God, remove this thorn in my flesh. Jesus doesn't explain why he doesn't do it, which really leads to another issue. Uh, it's the issue of control. You see, we want to be in control of our own lives, and Jesus wants to be in control of your life. So we have a power struggle of who's in control, and we hate giving up control. We want to be in control. We believe we can make the best decisions for our lives. We believe we can do everything right in our lives. It's only when we wreck our lives that we say, okay, God, now you've got control. But when everything's going awesome, we're like, okay, I'm awesome. I can do this. I've got it all. And God's like, you need to give up control. You need to live a lifestyle where we're saying, Jesus, you are in control. Again and again and again and again. We need to say, you're in control. We're not in control. The other thing uh, that we are asking for is substitution. And God is, is not interested in giving substitution. It's transformation. We want to substitute whatever the pain is. Uh, for, you know, healing. Uh, we want to substitute the difficult things in our lives for blessings. We, and often uh, God is saying, yeah, okay, I, can, I can deal with that perhaps. Sometimes I'll do that. But God is always interested in transformation. He's always saying, I want to do something different. I want to change you to become more like me. I want to transform you to be more like Jesus. And we're like, yeah, I'm not so interested in that part. I just want to be blessed. I want to have, like, everything healed, and I just want to have an awesome day, and I just want to make a lot of money, and I want to be rich and famous, and, and I want a really awesome, beautiful girlfriend and wife. And, and God's like, yeah, yeah, I can do all those things too, but I want to transform you. And we're like, transform me? I'm not interested in being transformed. I just want to get gold medals. I want to, like, win. And you're like, I'm interested in transforming you. I know we can get gold medals. Those are great. That's nice. It's a worthy, you know, dream. It's worth working for, but... I want to transform you. And we're like, I just, want to be, I just want substitution, not transformation. It's just what we do. I don't have time to uh, read this story. It's a really weird story in the Old Testament with uh, uh, King David. And he's going along, and he's messed up. And some guy comes along, and he's just throwing rocks at David, and he's cursing David. And, and King David's like, he realizes he's, he's like done wrong. And his posse of guys around him, they're like, let's just go and kill this guy and get rid of him. Who's this idiot insulting us and belittling us? And we've killed many armies and we don't want one idiot to be running along the side of the hill throwing rocks at us. But David had a different kind of a heart. He said, you know what? We deserve this. Let that guy curse us. Let him throw rocks at us. We've, you know, David's like, I messed up. Just let it happen. You know, we just like spin our heads. It's like, what? Can't we just like, Get rid of this idiot, you know. But Jesus has a heart of saying, that's God's will. God's allowing this guy to mock us and ridicule us. But it'll work out for better. Jesus, David knew God's heart. He knew that God would restore and heal. And he just said, okay, if that's God's will. And of course, it, you know, he allowed it. He allowed that situation to transform them, to humiliate them, and to transform them. We don't like being uh, humiliated. I want to show you another uh, quick video clip here of David Badiah, also uh, in the Olympics, uh, also a good Christian story. And um, if we can get all this to work, this will be awesome. And uh, why don't you watch this for a, a bit? Thanks.
1: 2008, if you would have asked me to sit down with the 700 Club, I would have been like, Are you serious? Like, no way. Like, you can keep your Jesus and do what you want with that, but I'm over here and I'm going to do my thing for myself. It's crazy to think what God can do to someone who is so obsessed with himself, lay him flat on his face and say, David, you're not going to be the ruler of your life. Just looking back at when I had this dream of wanting to become an Olympian and that pursuit towards that goal, I tried to fill that with whatever I could because I thought ultimately this would bring me happiness and joy. And it was all for David's glory, all for what David wanted. And I didn't worship anyone else besides myself. Everything that I thought of, everything that I pursued was for my own gain. My first Olympic Games, I just realized that it wasn't working. Something, there had to be something else besides this, it wasn't working. Something, there had to be something else besides this popularity or this pleasure or this desire that I had to be rich and famous that this American dream promised me. There had to be something more than that and I didn't know where to find that. God changed my heart and it was no longer, look at me, I'm the best trying to be a visible representation of an invisible God, that that's not the David of 2008. God has redeemed me, and I've taken control of my life to, to do that for him on a, on a platform that, that I never thought I would be at. The London Games was not a story I would have written whatsoever. Going into the finals, I was like the most nervous that I had been in a competition since I was 14 years old. And I spoke to a good friend of mine. And he said, David, what is there to be nervous about? And I was like, OK, what are you getting at? And he said, uh, God has already written it. Uh, God has already written it. It's already done. What you get to do, what your opportunity is, is to be a vehicle for His glory. And so like instantly, the weight was off of my shoulders. I just think of Philippians 4-6, it just talks about, be anxious about nothing but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving make your request known to God and that was that was totally my perspective that next day when I woke up was, was that
0: okay so there you go he's hanging on to a promise of God and he's saying I, I feel the weight falling off my shoulders because he's saying God this is about you I, I, I love the Olympics I want to earn medals But there's something bigger and more significant. And now, if you've been tracking these Olympics, uh, he got a silver medal in the doubles. uh, It's a team platform dive with uh, Steele Johnson. I mean, America hasn't won a medal in platform diving. It's normally ruled by, I don't know, Chinese and, and Great Britain. And, you know, afterwards, his testimony was, both of them, him and his partner, Jesus. Jesus, like, helped us both to perform better And to take the stress off because, you know, we're depending on Christ uh, to give us strength. So, uh, you know, I I want to just finish off and say this. You know, maybe uh, we should think and pray a little bit more like Paul. uh, And instead of asking uh, God to remove our pain, which is obviously our first form of prayer. We're all going to pray for God to remove our, uh, our pain. And if God does, awesome. I'm not saying don't do that, but I am saying this. Uh, it might be a prayer that you're praying just like Paul was praying, and we need to pray like Paul, where he's saying, God, okay, I- I've asked you three times to take away this thorn in the, f- the flesh. It's not happening. Okay, so now, God, do something else. And what Paul is saying is, I need instead of removing my pain, I'm asking you to give me something. And he's saying, give me grace. So if you're not going to take it away, add something, add grace. And uh, we might need to pray in a similar way. I, I know I do. Uh, God, look, I give you this problem. I give you this situation. Uh, I'm coming to you in weakness and I need your power. I need your strength. Uh, your grace is sufficient. And so we lean into into, into God that way. It's a a good way of praying. Or uh, even better, uh, maybe we can take a cue from Jesus and pray like Jesus prayed. You know, Jesus, one of the titles of Jesus is suffering servant. And so we can pray in a similar way. Uh, We can say, uh, God, like, just use my suffering that I can serve you. And... uh, when Jesus, you know, was at the foot of the cross, when he was being uh, humiliated and, 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 you know, rejected by everybody, he didn't say, God, well, he did. At first he said, God, you know, I don't like this. Uh, remove this. But he said, your will be done, not my will. Yeah, there's a point of saying, I don't like what I'm happening, but God, your will be done. Can we use this? And uh, Jesus saying, I give you control. God, over my situation. I give you control over the setbacks. I give you control over the outcomes. I give you control about the situation. Uh, my friends have left me. I'm being you know, beaten up badly. I'm about to be crucified. Surely there's a better way of saving humanity than this way. Uh, it, it, God did not give him an answer and explain, oh, okay, just, you know, Jesus just obeyed. I mean, there was, he was a suffering servant, but it turned out like to be unbelievable. And so God is saying to us in a similar way, can we, in some small way, be suffering servants for Christ? Can we be like uh, Paul, where small things in our lives don't overcome us, where we can say, God, I'm battling, I'm hurting, I don't like the situation I'm in. Will you just add grace to me, and I need a lot of grace, and God, will your power be sufficient? And allow God to, like, deal with that. So uh, let me just close in prayer. Lord God, I just pray for every person uh, sitting here today, uh, Lord, that's that's battling. Uh, there's something in their life is not the way they want it to be. And uh, it's out of sync. It's, it's not right with you. Uh, they don't like the situation. Uh, they don't know how to fix it. And uh, Lord, I just pray that this would be a time where we could just give up and say, I give up my fight, I give up my, str- my struggle, I give up my pride, I give it to you, and Jesus, you do with it whatever you care to do with it. And my job is just to follow you and to listen to you and let you do whatever you want to do and to just release it to God. I give you control, God. I just ask you to just set me free. I I just lean into the plans that you have for me, even the ones I don't understand. Your grace is sufficient. And God, your power is sufficient. You can do it. You can change. You can change me. So Lord God, I just pray for your people, that you would empower them and that you'd be with them and you'd encourage them and you'd speak to each one of us personally that we we sense that we're not alone as we go through our life and our struggles and our desires in your name jesus amen why don't we have the worship team come on up and um afterwards we'll get a chance to to respond and pray a little bit more if you can why don't you you stand